0: Before we begin,
1: a note of warning. The language used and the topics explored in this podcast are not suitable for listeners younger than 18. Your discretion is advised. From the Spade & Archer Studios, welcome to Behind the Yard Sign, the podcast that pulls back the curtain to reveal the real world of real estate with your hosts, Justin M. Reardon and Amy Romberg. Dr. Amy Romberg Esquire, how are you sis? Oh
0: my gosh, I actually get mail regularly that's addressed to Dr. Romberg. And I think it's hysterical
1: that you just called me that
0: because I'm like, where in the world did this come from?
1: Airlines way back in the day, when you signed up for their frequent flyer program, you could choose like any prefix and any suffix that you wanted. So I was Sister Justin Reardon, the third.
0: (laughs) That doesn't surprise me
1: a wee bit. How are you?
0: I'm doing well. We're slowly getting back in the routine like you, you know, the kiddo going back to school, kind of managing all of that. I'm mostly doing well. I had a a little bump this week and I thought maybe I would call you crying, but I
1: didn't. Um, (laughs) I love it when you call me crying. It's
0: happened before. so
1: (laughs) On on both ways, I believe. Yes.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I am working to get a house on the market. Um, Lovely folks, neighbors of mine kind of really been nurturing them through the process of getting this lovely old home that they've been in for a long time on the market. So lots of handholding and we've just kind of been going through it. Anyway, they referred me to brother and sister-in-law. Super nice folks were looking to move pretty quickly to get their house on the market. I went. Over, we talked, I did a listing consultation. I had access to some boxes because I had clients. This is one of my favorite things to do. I had clients that were moving into a house. And then if you call and you're like, hey, do you want me to come get your boxes? You do them a service, and then you drop them off at someone else's house who then you get to do them a service too. So I was playing the recycle box fairy. So I brought them boxes and we just had great rapport, I felt like. Then we did have the hard conversation and we She was like, hey, how about this commission thing? You want to reduce it? Heck yeah.
1: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Exactly. (laughs) I I would love to get paid less money. I was just
0: thinking how much I wanted to get paid less money. (laughs) It's amazing that you read my mind. I mean, I'm full disclosure here. I've done that once and I have learned the lesson that I will not do that again.
1: What was the lessons?
0: It made me understand my value in a way that probably nothing else could. Everything I did, I wanted to be like, I did my full percent commission work at uh, a slightly lesser percentage. And the whole time I was like, what the fuck did I do this for? <laughs> Boy, that was the voice in my head all the time. I hope I can swear on this. Um, <laughs>
1: you so fucking Okay, guys.
0: <laughs> I was not fully prepared for that question. And I have learned that sometimes it's a great idea for me to buy myself a little bit of time when I get questions mm-hmm. I don't know how to answer. Um, and I said, you know, I don't usually do that. Let me think about it and get back to you. So I got back to them. And I knew the whole time I was going to say no because. I had that voice in my head saying, what the fuck did you do this for? <laughs> I said, no. And when he asked me, he was like, you know, this is not necessarily a deal breaker. Like we really like you. We're just kind of thinking things through. And it turns out that it was a deal breaker. They listed their listing with somebody else. And I just had this moment of being like utterly, completely, ridiculously devastated by it because I felt like we'd had such a great connection and I was already on my way to demonstrating my value to them. I just felt like I'd already, we'd done a walkthrough. I had walked them through all the things that I felt like they really needed to do to get their house ready. You know, I was about ready to like do an instant pricing. Like we were ready to go with all of this. And then he was just like, oh, sorry. And I was like, in the grand scheme of things, you didn't pick me over such a small chunk of money. I just like literally kind of wanted to heap on the floor momentarily.
1: You know, Real estate agents is tough because you guys are not only the front line, you're also where the buck stops. There is literally one line. Like You are the person that they ask, and you're also the person that has to make the decision. So it's not like you can say, let me talk to my boss and I'll get back to you. Yeah. <laughs> you have to say, let me think about it and yeah. I'll get back to you. With my group there's 27 of us yeah. and so they all know we don't give discounts outside of our already pre-coded discount codes. If you haven't subscribed to the newsletter, do it. You can find it at Click on discounts plugging shamelessly here. I'm not the buck. So when they ask one of my employees, they say, will you discount your work? And they say, you know, we usually don't do that, but I can ask the big guy and get back to you. <laughs> and it's really easy for them to come to me and be like, you know, I told them that we don't usually do that, but they want us to discount work will you please give me an official answer and then i say no yeah and then they go back and they go i talked to justin but you know what he's just no i'm so sorry we're so busy we're so booked out right now we don't really don't give discounts outside of our outside of the discount codes that we issue literally every tuesday <laughs> And so I feel like as a real estate agent, especially like as a sole proprietor, there almost needs to be a canned speech Mm -hmm. that the second you get that question, Mm -hmm. you are ready to answer it. And that answer is, I have done that before in past experiences. And what I found is that by devaluing my work, I spend the entire time feel like I should be giving you less service than what you need because I feel like I'm getting paid and so I should be giving you less work. And then I have this inner conflict the entire time and I keep on beating myself up and it ends up being a really bad way to start off a transaction. And so if me lowering my price is a deal breaker for you, we should probably call it quits right now. And when you call them on your bluff and you're like, I will walk, I will walk. Yeah. And it's right there. And you, you have already like said, like, this is my value. If you want it, super great, fantastic, go for it. If you do not want it, I'm cool with that. But I cannot spend literally another second with you because I have to go work with somebody who's going to pay me my full value. I'm really sorry about that. The other half of this is like, okay, now you're not going to work with these folks. How do you maintain your relationship with them? Because they may become a great referral source later on down the road, Mm -hmm. you know?
0: Well, the I actually just put a card in the mail this morning.
1: <laughs> <laughs> the handwritten yes,
0: note. Yes, the thank you note. I just sent them a card and I said, you know, thank you so much for the opportunity to come and see your lovely home. And we'll probably reach out in a couple of weeks and just say, hey, how's everything going? I think it's just about continuing to stay in contact a little bit, probably, and check in yeah. here and there. And when their house does go live, once I get over my seething resentment. <laughs> 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 uh, just kidding. It's about the relationship, always for me in this business. And I know there's plenty yeah. of folks who, you know, maybe have different business models and and move through things more quickly. And actually, that was one of the things I said to them when they were like, "Tell us why we should choose you." And we did have a little bit of a conversation, kind of about you know what value I bring. And I did say very clearly, you know, I feel like I'm in this for the long haul. I'm not just looking for this transaction. Like I would like to be your go-to real estate support advisor for. In two years, you buy another house and you have questions about your roof. Still Let here. me help yes. you figure out who to talk to about that. That is my ultimate end goal.
1: This <laughs> is how we behave. Like in human society, we we are polite, we behave and it's perfectly fine. There's a German word, what is it? Anyway, it's it's a word that means um, delighting in the pain of others. And so when you, when you don't get that listing and like the house comes on the market like six months later and the staging is terrible and you watch them go through their first price drop, and then their second price drop, and then their third price drop. And you're just kind of like, I wish we could have worked together yeah. because now that commission drop that you asked me to do, you're actually now paying for it tenfold by not selling your house where I would have started you in the first place. You can't help but just feel like, wah, 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 sucks yeah. being you. And maybe it would have been different if you had chosen me, and maybe it would have been exactly the same. Who knows? I have no doubt. Oh, oh, Nicole put it up. It's <laughs> I still can't say it. <laughs> Help me out here. It's in chat. Schadenfreude. Yeah, Schadenfreude. 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 There we go. Yeah. And I love that the Germans have a word that literally means like an entire sentence in English, like taking delight (laughs) in the pain of others. Like (laughs) it's like watching somebody else like slip it on the manapeel. You know, we all have those feelings. When you are working on something, you mark that house and you watch it and you see what happens. You know, it's so easy like to play. What is it called? Like Monday, Monday, Sunday, Tuesday quarterback. or like, you know. (laughs) You're, you're making all the great plays. <laughs> oh my God. I can't remember anything today.
0: <laughs> I think it is Monday quarterbacking or yes. Monday but quarterbacking. But I'm just appreciating, right. you like,
1: that oh, if, if I would have done that, I would have put the couch in this place and that house would have been sold and it would have been fantastic and I'm the best. You know, it's so great to like have this like 2020. How many metaphors can I fit into this story? To have like that 2020 vision and like be able to just say like, oh, you guys messed the whole thing up and you would have been great if you had just hired me in the first place. That being said, uh, we have had clients that we did not work with who have then turned around and brought us two or three or four or five more projects that they recommended and they just become this fantastic fantastic referral source because you gracefully bowed out um, of that that job.
0: There's so many layers to this. I think as a new agent, knowing that this is going to happen sometimes, that it's just a part of the process that, you know, you're going to end up with clients who are not a good fit one way or the other, trying to settle into that and get comfortable with it. And then also I think it really, it challenges, of course it challenges our edges. Like I feel prickly about it. I feel like kind of ticked about it. And also like, I'm going to take a breath and put on my big, get pants and recognize that what I want to be in the world is not the person that isn't graceful about things like that. Because what I do want and what I say in my listing consults is buyers too. It's about chemistry. You know, it's just like anything else. I want to work with people that feel good and trust me. And I want to work with people who feel good about me and trust me. And if that isn't there or something else is more important to a client than those things, then good luck to them. And I wish them the best.
1: So, and sometimes it's just a little price thing. It's just a little difference. It's a little this or a little that. And you have a great connection with them, and you're like, I really want to stay friends with the people. So you drop the card in the mail, and and that's fantastic. Sometimes it's beyond that. And sometimes people are just, and excuse my French, assholes. Oh, yeah. And you have to be very careful about the company that you keep because I tend to find that the the type of people who are friends with assholes are also assholes. Yeah. Guy worked for a construction company here in town, and my boss, I mean, flat out he was an asshole. And every single one of our clients was such an asshole. And I was, I moved here and I was like, I was told Portland was like the friendliest town on earth. Every single person I am working with is like judging me because I'm gay, judging me because I have a black kid, judging, 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 judging. And I'm like, what the hell? This is not what I expected when I came to Portland. Then I started my own business and I started bringing on my own clients and bringing in people that I liked and people that I enjoyed. And now I'm like, oh my God, Portland is literally the friendliest town on earth. Like we're a, a little aggressively, passive aggressive. I'll give Portland that. But this is a really nice place. But if you are an asshole yeah. and you live in Portland, you will find other assholes. That is such a good point. And the, the cost of bringing on an asshole as a client means that they are going to bring you more assholes yeah. to work with. And so there comes a point where it's like, I'm not going to work with you. I am also not going to send you a handwritten note. Yes.
0: Hey, I had that. I don't think I've talked to you about this. So I got um, kind of a random referral from a lender and there were folks I didn't Feel super connected to showed them probably you know eight things nine things some of them way out because they had a very broad range of what they were looking for. We went out to see something somewhere. The agent had confirmed the appointment, but it was owner occupied, and we got there and the seller was like, "Oh, you can't come in." My agent didn't tell me about this appointment, and we'd driven like you know both of us had driven about forty five minutes to get there, and so we toured the outside. I mean, it just levels. Well, we're
1: here now, yeah,
0: and he just he was having none of it, so I was like, "Okay, I'm not going to." push this, but um, the gentleman with whom I was working and his his partner, he was such an asshole. And I got a little like, I didn't fear for my safety but I was also like oh this is not a this is not a person I feel safe with I did I left fairly quickly and I just apologized profusely and he was sort of pissed at me and he was sort of he just was like you know fists clenched I did sort of a warm handoff to I thought maybe he would work better with a man so I did a warm handoff to someone in my office and I mean and I gave him all the information I was like these are folks I'm not feeling like a click with don't feel like it's going super well this may not be the best referral in the world here you go best of luck. And actually it was beautiful. They looked at one property <laughs> they offered on it and he closed the deal. So he he completed the transaction and it was perfect. But I really think that like I hadn't felt great about working with them. And as soon as I was like, oh, I'm not going to work with them anymore. It definitely felt like, oh, that's the right decision. Yeah. Don't work with assholes.
1: We got to work with the good ones. Speaking of the good ones, Dana Austin is in the green room. We had a tennis court installed this month because Dana has been a, a tennis pro like forever. I am Let's go see so excited to meet her. I'll go get her. I'll be right back. Great. Okay. Amy, I am so excited to have on the show. This is Dana. Dana was back in the green room. We had a tennis court installed for her, and she's back there playing tennis with Andre Agassi. And she's wearing high heels. She's fantastic.
0: Amazing. <laughs> Your skills are clearly so much higher level than mine, Dana. It's so nice to meet you. Oh my god. <laughs> Welcome.
1: <It's> so <laughs> nice to meet you
0: too.
2: It's really about what 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 brand of the high heels they were, right? <laughs> what, who who are you wearing
1: ask, today, Dana? But... Like on the on the red carpet. <laughs> uh, oh,
2: Jimmy Chu. Of course. of course. I of course. love it. I was hoping
1: you were going to say easy spirits because they're my favorite, but you know, if you gotta have Jimmy <laughs> choose, I'm down with that too. <laughs>
2: oh my God. Easy spirits. I, I, you know. Do you remember the video oh, of them, like no. playing
1: basketball and pumps? Do you remember that? Yes. Like th- that was like the best market uh, ever. I do. I do. So awesome. Oh
2: my God. Dana, how long you've been no. doing real estate, babe? 23 years. Oh my
1: gosh. And I, th- I think when we started Spade and Archer, I think you were one of literally one of the first people who ever used us. And that oh. was like, my I made it moment that I was like holy shit Dana is using us this is oh, like the moment this is it right here that's sweet. when I knew that we had been successful
2: well what's funny is I I think that you were the first and only staging company that that anyone actually was introduced to in northeast Portland and I truly believe we were able to get more for our houses that we staged with you than
1: can I just yeah. keep it in my back pocket you can tell people that like on a daily basis <laughs> I, I actually can
2: yeah but you recorded this so like Honestly, the house is sold for more. I had so many naysayers on so many of my renovations that I work mm-hmm. with. And they were like, you'll never get over a million. I'm like, yeah, I will. You'll never get over a million. And I just went out with unbridled confidence and your staging. And you got it. And good <laughs> photography. We got more most of the time. And we set all the, all the records. Appraisers were shaking their heads.
1: Tell us about where you grew up. What was your early career? You didn't jump straight into real estate, right? Like it was, there was some no, time in no. shoes there, I believe. Tell us about that. A
2: lot of time in shoes. So um, I grew up in Los Angeles. I was an L.A. L.A. girl and loved shoes and got a job at 16 at a great store called Sasha London. And Sasha London uh, and I worked together for five years. I opened four stores in San Francisco, became the regional manager at 20, uh, wearing, you know, Betsy Johnson's ah, So I was yes, only 20 years old. Yes. Running five stores, opened a store in New York. And then Sam Edelman stole me from Sasha London to design shoes for him. At the time, they were called Sam and Libby. They're now Sam Edelman, and they're still in business.
1: And he's somehow connected to Kenneth Cole, too, right? Well,
2: Sam and Kenneth were best friends back in the day. And this is the, you know, late 80s, early 90s. And uh, yeah, they were actually, you know, just kind of crazy fucked up party boys that did coke together in in new york at the at the studio 54 she means
1: coca-cola for all those who are listening yeah they drank a lot of caffeine I, you, yes.
2: said I, you, you said i could say fuck here you so, yeah, you absolutely. It was, yeah it was pretty crazy marie colmo was married to kenneth cole at the time we were just running around and then i went to work for kenneth cole as their west coast sales representative um and then i just worked so hard by the time i was 24 i worked way too hard i was a workaholic and Sold everything I owned and moved to Hawaii, not sell shoes, to actually just surf and relax. And I was going to have enough commission checks to last me about eight months and realized I should just surf and relax and chill and figure out what I wanted to do with the rest of my life. But the Doc Martin people found, found me in Hawaii.
1: <laughs> they hunted was, you sur- down. <laughs> I was surfing,
2: I was cliff diving at Waimea Falls Park. That was my job, actually diving off of cliffs. It was really fun. So, but they found me and they're like, be our Hawaii rep. And I was the Doc Martin Hawaii rep for a little while. And then I went to the trade show in New York and uh, the owner of Nordstrom was like, hey, where are you? Why aren't you our merchandiser? So the Doc Martin owners from England were like, why is our Hawaii rep hugging the Nordstrom owners? And because I'd known them so long with Sam and Libby and and, uh, Kenneth Cole, they promoted me and moved me to Portland, Oregon, which I'd never been. Well, I'd only been once moving to Portland, Oregon to be their national sales representative. So I was uh, covering the whole U.S. for Doc Martin uh, footwear and apparel.
1: So you're traveling like constantly.
2: Oh my God, dude. My first year in Portland, I was only home 80 days. Oh, Um, wow. I had so many frequent flyer miles. I met a dude in Switzerland and said, come for the weekend. And I had so many frequent flyer miles. I'm like, why not? So (laughs) it was insane. Then I got pregnant with my son and I'm like, gosh, I got to have a job that actually landed on the ground and not sleeping in all these hotels. And I want to be home every night with my baby. So I got into real estate and never looked back. So that was 1997. Then I quit Duck Martin I was making maybe definitely well over six figures. And I was six months pregnant. Everyone thought I was crazy for leaving then. But I'm like, I got to do it. I got to be home for my baby. So,
1: wow. You started in REMAX and then you transitioned over to Hassan, right? And that was like with Janelle Isaacson, who was is also on the show. She's lived with the living room realty now. And when I met you, you were Windermere. Like you were synonymous with Windermere. And now it's Sotheby's. That's like a major tra- transition. And and when I met you, you were Dana Griggs and you're now Dana Austin, which is like a total brand change as well. How did you transition this brand change to go from being Dana Griggs of Windermere to Dana Austin of Sotheby's so smoothly? How did you do that?
2: I mean, to answer that question, you know, I knew I was going to divorce my husband. We were married for 18 years, but I knew a long time ago that it just wasn't the right fit. We had two beautiful kids and, you know, you try and hang on and try and make that work. So I started to integrate my maiden name, which is Austin, into my middle name, which I actually legally changed it to Dana Austin Griggs. So all the signage and all the marketing that I did with Windermere for the last six years was Dana Austin Griggs. I wanted to make sure my clients could find me because it's really scary when you brand yourself. And I was a brand. When you brand yourself as one name, how do you continue to be found, continue to be in the Google search? So I just started to integrate my last name. And then my father passed away three years ago. And my father was such an amazing dude. And I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to honor him and actually go back to my last name. I really liked my last name. So I regret forever changing my name. And a lot of people are like, do I change my name? Do I not? I have a girlfriend getting married um, next weekend in New York, and she's going to change her name. And same problem. She's been marketing herself as, as something else. And, you know, I just kind of warn people if you want your brand to be your original name. Just just be mindful of that. And I could have kept Griggs, but it just wasn't authentic to me. So, you know, I kind of lived my life with no fear. So I just kind of said, you know what, I got to do this. I got to rip the bandaid off and take the Griggs out of there. And it's my job to tell my clients where I'm at. It's my job to tell my clients where, where to find me and what my name is. I'm hoping I haven't lost anybody. I'm always humbled when people still find me and said, oh my God, it was really hard to find you. But that's my bad. It's our job to, you know, keep in touch. But with regards to my history, of it's funny. My first year I went interviewed with Windermere. I had no idea, you you know, go from the shoe business and people were like, you know, what's your sphere? Like, do you have a sphere? Do you have a sphere? Do you have a business plan? I'm like a sphere? What's a sphere? I had no idea what a sphere was. I mean, they didn't say database or clients. They said sphere. And I'm like, okay, I have no idea what a sphere is. I have no sphere. What's your business plan? So um, Richard Kaplan at Windermere said, Hey, do you have a business plan? And I said, no, do you have a sphere? And I'm like, what's a sphere? And I wasn't from Portland. You know, I'd only been in Portland for Doc Martin for three years. So I didn't have... A total of
1: 80 days. You were here, (laughs) yes. A total of 80 (laughs) days.
2: Thank you. Yes. I really didn't know anyone. And it was, you know, I wasn't afraid because I actually knew that, you know, if you apply the same customer service and business partnership strategy, that that I will make money. Richard Kaplan at Windermere didn't hire me because I had no idea what my business plan was or what my sphere was. Went to Hassan and Mike Hassan was like, absolutely, we want you. We want you at our Northeast office. We just don't know where you're going to sit because we're full over there. We want to make room for you, but we don't know where to put you. And so I was almost going to cancel my Remax equity group. And I went there and Rod Rennick, who was the principal broker there, awesome dude. He literally just said, you're just ready to start working. I'm like, yeah, I have a listing and a buyer and I'm ready to start. He just said, I'm going to Italy tomorrow. So I can't really help you, but here's the key to the office. Just get started. So it was like, (laughs) okay, So I had to call my cast, and he was bombed. And I'm like, dude, I, I really just felt like I needed to, I needed a paycheck. Um, and at the time my husband wasn't working and I had a brand new baby. So I'm like, okay. Yeah, everyone's got to get fed here. So hit the ground running in 97 and sold 49 houses the first year. I was super excited. But one of the reasons why I didn't want to go to REMAX Equity Group is I didn't like their signage. I was really like unimpressed with their signage. And at the time, especially in the late 90s, all the signs had white backgrounds.
1: Windermere was white background. Yeah. Oregon
2: First had a white background. All these companies had these white backgrounds. And I was like, this is boring. I want to go to either Realty Trust or Hassan because the signs are
1: prettier. (laughs) Love it. Hassan was, was green green in the background and Realty Trust was yeah, emerald maroon. green with
2: white yes exactly yeah. i made a point to go up to the owner at my rookie of the year christmas party celebration and i made a point to go up to the owner kurt Dalby at the time say Hey, I don't know if you're interested, but I kind of restructured your signage to be royal blue on the background. It would look really pretty with a gold E and white letters. And I did a CAD design for you and I'd love to show you. And and he goes, What? Um, everything we do is fine. If you don't like our signs, you should go to Hath Center Realty Trust. And at the time I was like, Whoa. Like, and he was That's a great offended. idea. Uh, <laughs> He was completely offended to the point of like, my boss at the time, my principal broker called me and said, were you drunk talking to Kurt? Kurt was so offended by you. I'm like, really? I was trying to be helpful. So he was like, you should go to Hassan. And I'm like, okay, I will. So I was at at Hassan for 12 years, had a lot of awesome relocation business. I probably did 12% of my business in relocation, you know, taking people around. Um, I loved the Hassan family for a really, really long time. And, you know, they gave me a really great big client, George Hale development, which was the 12.5 condos and a lot of other condo projects. Just a really fun partnership.
1: George is a good guy. I like that guy.
2: So that's where I met Ruth Ruth. Ruth and I partnered for 10 years as well. You know, I went to Windermere because Brian and Joni, Allen were friends Mm -hmm. of mine. They kept on saying, you know, very subtly, hey, we love you. We want you to work with us. So one day I was like, you know what? I'm just kind of bored just selling houses. I want to do more. So they're like, well, we want you to do like eco-friendly stuff. We want you to do classes. We want you to do, you know, an enhancement program for us. So we had a group called the Premier Marketing Group and we had a premier director and I became the premier director. I got to kind of ascertain who gets the special signing and what that was and just giving agents better things to use to get higher end marketing. So I did classes and premier marketing groups at the Matt Club and it was awesome, but I didn't get paid for it and then I brought like I don't know six or seven people over talked him into coming to Windermere and and, you know it's something I didn't get paid for and I did it for the first couple years just had a great time doing it. it didn't matter but then after a while I was like okay I'm taking time away from my business and I got this call from a guy named Brian Gooding and he's like you know Sotheby's really wants you he's like Cascade Sotheby's is trying to grow their offices in Portland and you're someone that's been recommended to us multiple times everyone loves you over here and what would it take to get you and I said well would you guys consider consider doing a, you know, a mentorship program. I think what's really important for agents is, you know, we're all on our own here, especially now during COVID, everyone needs, you know, an extra nudge, an extra step, an extra, you know, a mentorship program would be really, really useful for all the agents. And I'd love to give more myself. And for me, it wasn't about the money. It was about being useful and needed. My role here at Cascade Sotheby's started as um, the lead mentor. So I teach classes every week on enhancement of your business, how to get more business, how to do more, how to write an offer, the simple stuff that you don't actually get to learn, how to show a house, making sure just tips and tidbits of those kinds of things. And then I also take brand new agents and stay with them for the first three transactions. I go on listing presentations with them. I do marketing presentations with them. And I actually, from start to finish, walk through with them to make sure that they feel comfortable and confident with their clients. That was so good that my the owner of the company actually promoted me to being the office manager as well. Awesome. So I manage the Northeast office and I have a lead mentorship role here. And, and then I do coaching classes. I did one yesterday. It was really fun. It was um, how to develop your elevator pitch. The next topic was how to answer the question, how's the market How do you how do you answer that and what are they really asking? Sounds like you've really been able to dig in and use some different parts of your brain that you were really ready to jump
0: into. This sounds so incredibly useful. It sounds like you've probably really been able to be impactful of some of the folks in your office.
2: My office goal this year was to do I mean, it was there was only six people here when I got here and now we're 14. Um, You know, we're looking to grow still, we want to actually grow it to maybe 20, but the right people not, you know, maximize just to fill bodies. We're not a body shop. The numbers that we have, we had a year goal for 2021 of 46 million. And <laughs> uh, we're going to go over 100 million nice. for our, our, nice. little, our little office. That's amazing. Well yeah. Well Congratulations. Done. And then the most important thing is the culture. Like we really crave culture. We had three classes this week at my office. One was you know, through the title companies. And we had, we had 13 people for that. And we had a class yesterday, we had 12 people for that. And we had a cocktail hour on uh, Tuesday, and we had 22 people for that. Everyone loves working in the office. We've been home for so long, and we're all really safe. We all have desks that are super far away from each other. We're all actually vaccinated. Um, but when people come in, we always wear our masks. And just to make things safe. But we do have a great culture here.
1: Dana, give us some stats on Sotheby's. I know that you guys were founded in 1744.
2: In London, in 1744, we were an auction house. And it was always a name and brand that was synonymous with luxury. Mm -hmm. So in 1985, they rolled out uh, a real estate division. Our company in Oregon, Oregon and Washington is locally owned by a woman named Deb Tebbs. And she just sells houses just like you and I do, Amy. She's a real estate with agent with a fantastic and, real you know, estate
1: name, Deb Tebbs. I mean, yes. you never forget that. <laughs> Deb yes. Tebbs
2: started the offices in Bend, Oregon, and now we have 16 offices locally. The brand Sotheby's has 24,000 agents, over a thousand offices. So what's fun is if you ever want to go to like Portugal, you just meet with the agent there and right off your trip or, or I was in Cabo last week and I had to pop in the office and say hi, but all of these referral tentacles are actually happening for us. There's a gal in Italy that just sent me a client. There's a gal in New York that I just sent a client. So we have these amazing global tentacles and we have individual marketing team plus Sotheby's itself has its own branding marketing team in New York the company itself did 150 billion dollars in sales wow. so taking that 1000 people we do focus in luxury but we also believe very much that luxury is not a price point it's a, an experience mm-hmm. so i was really worried that my you know fun clients with first time home buyers with mm-hmm. you know chicken coop wouldn't really fit in but when i tell them it's, you can have luxury at every price point it's an experience. Yeah. With that said, it definitely has a cachet to develop your higher end price points. Doing less transactions, more quality versus quantity is nice. And then here at our own little bend in Oregon region we ourselves did $2.1 billion.
1: Nice. What do you look for in an agent when you're looking for a person to come on to your team? Like, what are the qualities that you are wanting?
2: You know, I just really want nice people. <laughs>
1: Amen. <laughs> That's just yes. like the baseline.
2: Nice people. Yes. You know, I don't want cocky. I yeah. want nice, humble people that want to be a part of a community of a sharing a nucleus that actually want to support each other around them. We don't really have a lot of com- competition within yeah. us, um, which is really nice. I also, um, you know, believe in fostering other people's business more than my own. So when I'm looking at people, you know, I want them motivated, I want them to have a major drive. I tell people all the time like, you need to show up five minutes early, otherwise you're late, yeah. show up ready and show up hungry, but in service. So, you know, I want someone that's trainable. You know, we don't want the massive top producers that don't listen to us. We want someone that can be part of a group. What I really look for is just someone that's got the desire to do things different. Right. I think that real estate can get kind of archaic and boring. And if you want to actually, you know, shake up your game and do more for your client, then that's what I really look for.
1: Tell us about your hardest day in real estate. Like
2: how much time you got? She's like- Six minutes. <laughs> go. Um, I think the hardest thing for realtors to establish balance. Yeah. And I think that if I think about the hardest point in my life in real estate is I had this client and I, I still remember her specifically um, every single detail. But what's ironic is her sister was my massage therapist. So her sister was my Zen relaxation. She referred me her sister and her sister came to me. Her sister was pregnant at the time. You know, she was pregnant and wanted to sell her house and buy another house. She was getting a divorce and she was pregnant. It's
1: yeah, a lot of change. Um, her
2: sister's family came from money. So she had a money background, but she said, I want, you know, I want 250 I want to be in this one little area. And then that grew. We didn't find anything for 250 in that one little area. And then what happened was they put her house in the market and we were pending. And we literally had like 20 days to find a house and close. Mm-hmm. And here she is pregnant, moody. She wants to go out all the time. And I had my son with me. He was three at the time. Ugh. So I'd actually grab him from daycare, put him in the back seat. You know, he'd be hungry. I, and I was a yes girl. So I was saying yes to everything. I mean, there was one day that I showed 18 houses to this woman with Ugh. my son in the back in the back of the car. You know, we both hadn't eaten. And it's like, I got home and I just cried and really wanting to tell you know, newer agents or agents that are just in the thick of things to, to make sure you take care of yourself first and never show more than five houses a day ever. I don't care if it's the one, just, it can wait a day. You know, you think your family's okay with that, but just pay attention to everything around you and and take care of you and your family first. Really important. I let this woman, let me be a, her whipping girl. And she ended up from two fifty in this small little area to 750 in West Lynn (laughs) to a condo in the Pearl. She was all over the place and I didn't focus her. And what happened was, is she ended up, she was going to be homeless. She was super stressed out about it. Ended up not returning my phone calls and ended up using somebody else. That she bought something totally different. I uh. just really, you know, take care of yourself because you're the only one who will really.
0: So many layers of lessons in that. Yeah, that totally yeah. resonates. I can I can hear all
2: the different layers. It is hard to find that balance in the beginning. Absolutely. The ironic thing about this woman, the same thing. This woman was my first mediation. Um, we sold her house and. She forgot to tell me she was on public sewer and I didn't double check that she was on public sewer and the buyers bought and closed. And there was literally a line of, sewer sludge on the property that none of us saw. House closed. Buyers went to fix the plumbing and found out they weren't on public sewer. Um, she'd been paying a sewer water bill. The woman got sued for $36,000. I was, of course, drawn back into oh. it. This is after she snubbed me on the sale. So I got to like sit in court with her too. And brutal. And And now if I'd met her now, I would have fired her way
1: before. You learned, you learn with experience though, 23 years mm-hmm. of real estate, you learn yeah. like exactly where your boundaries are. Tell us about your best day in real estate The day you were like, heck yeah, I am made to be here.
2: Dude, I have so many of those, um, but one of them is the one you staged. I had this amazing house on 16th and Knot, and it was on the corner of 16th and Knot. And I sold it to my client for like 500,000. It was a total fixer. Um, It was a door knocking situation where I heard the person was going to sell and knocked on the door and we bought it as is let the person have six months free rent back. My clients renovated the house. It took them nine months to renovate. It was one of their first renovations. They went way too hardcore on the amazing features and benefits. The house actually needed to sell for 1.1. I went over there and looked at it. I'm like, oh my God, this is the sexiest house I've ever seen in my life. You staged it, Justin. So we decided to just go out with unbridled confidence and say 1.250. 1.250. 1.250. and All of the veterans, all of the people that were born and raised in Portland, especially Irvington, were like, there's no way you'll get over a million. There's only been two one mil, over a million dollar sales in Irvington. There's no way. It's on a busy street. Don't even try. It. It's got to be under a million. And I said, you know what? No, no, I'm going to do 1.250. Sure enough, 1.250. We hosted a party. It was a champagne party from four to six. People ended up staying until nine (laughs) o'clock. We ended up getting two offers that night. And then the next day, um, we ended up getting an offer from Nate Mandel from the Foo Fighters, which we were going to go with. And someone actually came in $25,000 more. So we ended up getting 1295 for the wow. house. So that's um, a good day. It was, it was great. It was a really good <laughs> yeah. day. But I, I mean, I've had a lot of those good days. So I just closed my uh, property in Austin, Texas. I referred and I sold her a house, a mid-century modern that hadn't been touched for 925 And it's just so nice when it gets, it works out for everyone. So.
1: So. I'm super glad that I got to be a part of your best day. That makes me super yes. happy. <laughs> so we all yeah. know the old adage that real tour is two syllables. It is not real a tour. And I didn't learn that in my real estate career until I was literally like 10 years into it. Somebody pulled me aside. David Policar pull pulled me aside Aww. and said, There's no it's A real-tour. in real tour. And I was like, oh my God, <laughs> nobody told me this for years. So Sothe- <laughs> Dana and I had this conversation yesterday. Sotheby's So the is three syllables, sub a bees. It is not not Sotheby's, correct? Three syllables.
2: It's Sotheby's International Realty.
1: Dana Austin is a real estate agent here in Portland with Sotheby's Real Estate. Cascade Sotheby's? Cascade
2: Sotheby's International Realty. (laughs) It's a mouthful.
1: (laughs) Where can people find you, darling?
2: Um, My cell phone is 503- 793 and I'm right here at 2236 Northeast Broadway. I'm in my office a lot. I love being here. And my email is Dana.austin at Cascade SIR com or at Dana Austin Homes.
1: Do you want to go back and do a couple more, a little more tennis in the green room with us?
2: I do. And Amy, let's have coffee. I'd love to hear what you're doing. No, that sounds lovely, Dana. I would love to. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Thanks so much, Dana.
2: Justin, I love you. I'll see you soon.
1: How lovely Dana? Oh my gosh, she's fantastic. She
2: is
0: wonderful. And all I can think about are shoes now.
1: <laughs> Did you see what she was wearing? They were oh, fantastic. Yes. I, I didn't know somebody could play tennis in high heels. That is <laughs> so awesome. She is multi-talented, I must say.
0: Such a good story. Yeah. You know, she shows
1: was... up to the green room and she has on high heels and like sometimes you just gotta improvise, right? How's that for a transition? <laughs> We're on fire. So, we live in this like extreme world of privilege. And right now, what's going on with COVID is that we are finding that there are more and more and more inconveniences. We're having like a lot of like champagne problems. Like, they don't have the 17 different brands of tequila that I wanted at, at the bar the other day, or we can't get a hold of a couch. Or, like, one of the problems that my company is having is that we are having a really hard time buying trucks. Um, or hiring people. And so like I'm replacing my fourth transmission in a truck today. So we have a fleet of eight trucks. We're replacing another transmission today. So it's like, you know, we just keep repairing these old trucks. Because
0: you can't get new ones. Because we can't get new ones.
1: There's a lot of things that are just inconvenient right now. We're not talking Great Depression inconvenient. We're just talking like minor depression inconveniences.
0: There is a painter working on a house that I'm working on listing and finding paint right now. I mean, it just sort of the list of things keeps growing. So I would imagine this is not your first... Improvisation rodeo.
1: I like how you improv the title of that segment right there, <laughs> I, the improvisational rodeo. Thank yes. you.
0: I had to say it slowly so it came out correctly. I would Im- imagine that that's kind of a regular thing for you all. Like right now, probably a lot more extreme because you can't get trucks and impl- I mean, there's different things going on. I bet you guys improv on job sites all the time.
1: Yeah. You know, you walk into a house and you're like, oh, ideally we would want to have all white furniture in this room and every single accessory would, would be red. And we want to have a set of four chairs over here. We want to have like a sofa and two chairs over here and then you go to the warehouse and you're like okay we have no red accessories we're completely out of red pillows we don't have any sets of four chairs but we do have a, a double set of couches that are both white and then you just kind of like improv and you put it together and you you change it up a little bit and like you make it look good and you do as, as good as you can and you put it together and like sometimes it ends up being even better than it was before you know as a cheerleader in college the lot <laughs> i just love
0: it i <laughs> if love it when we go back to the cheerleader stories
1: if you're a really good cheerleader, if you mess up the dance or the cheer and you do it with so much confidence, you can literally make it look like the other seven people that are standing up there with you were the ones who messed up, not you. <laughs> the only way people know you mess up is if you what they called wearing egg on your face. Which is yes. like when you like, you know, you scrape your face and you're like, oh I'm the worst. Oh my god, I'm terrible. But like if you make it look like you did it on purpose, like yeah. you know, round up back handspring, full twisting layout, land on the floor slip Slide on your butt like all the way across the floor into a backward somersault. Jump up, hands in the air, and be like, "Yeah, that was awesome! I totally <laughs> meant to do that." Um, you yes. know, improvising. Like, if you do improvisation with confidence, like if you say um, a German word and you just pronounce, pronounce the entire thing, <laughs> your friend <laughs> shot. It. And if you say it with a lot of confidence, people are like, like, "Maybe they might look it up and call you on it later on." But for the most part, everybody's going to believe you. Like, you, yeah, sure, why not? Yes, we improvise constantly. all the time. As a real estate agent, people come to you with questions and they're like, hey, we'd like for you to do this thing. And you may not have the exact answer, but yeah. you're going to sure and heck figure it out.
0: And I think for me, when I get those questions, when I get put on the spot with them, the, the trick is I have to make sure that I improv to a point, but that I also don't want to blow smoke or bullshit somebody. You know, you don't want to give because people are like, oh, how's the market? And so you need to have some sense of how to answer that question, because I feel like that's yes. a question that, you know, is a pretty regular one. But then, you know, drilling down into more detailed things, I think making sure you're not like fabrication. I don't, I don't go down the road of not totally. telling
1: truths. Like they can canned answer. How's the market? You're like, right now is the best time for you to put your house on the market immediately. You should list it right now with me.
0: Can I sell it? Like, can I, can I <laughs> take yeah. care of that for you?
1: <laughs> Did I mention yeah. I'm a real estate agent? <laughs> totally.
0: Totally. So I have a question about your process. Like when I think about you all improving, like I know that you have a, you have a pretty firm plan when you show up to stage a home. So your folks will walk, you know, they'll go to the warehouse, um, and certain furniture is going to be available. And so you're improving there in the warehouse or are you sometimes moving things in and out of homes? I've never watched you. I should watch sometime when it's not COVID and it's safe.
1: There is a video that goes through like the entire, there's three videos that's on our website that goes through the entire process of like how a site visit goes, how you pick everything out in the warehouse, then how it actually goes into the house. Oh,
0: I've never watched those.
1: Yeah, they're really cute. They're they're cute. They're super awesome because they're like, they're about me. You're going to love it. (laughs) Here's the thing is that like, first we go, we look at the house and we draw the floor plan while mm-hmm. we're actually there. We place all the furniture. We show where everything is going to go. That's where like the talent of a good home stager comes from. It's not about having good furniture. It's about having good design sense. So you can draw that stuff and anticipate where it's going to go. Now, that being said, we're going to nail that about 90% of the time. We're getting mm-hmm. the right thing, right? But sometimes you show up and you're like, whoa, this coffee <laughs> table is not going to fit in this room at all. Or like I brought a king size bed and this room should have clearly been a queen. Oops, we have what's called a run. Halfway through the day, you run back to the warehouse during the installation and grab the things that yeah. you messed up on and that's usually like you know 10 or 15 items like I needed a different piece of art for this wall because it's slightly smaller than I thought it was going to be scale is a huge oh, yeah. thing wow, scale I bet. is gigantic <laughs> and it's what I see home stagers mess up more than anything else you have like a six bedroom house and there's a four person dining room set that is like three feet wide in this giant 20 foot dining room no that is not going to work scale, <laughs> yes. scale is by far the most important in getting a house sold you know it's why we have a second set of eyes. There's always a creative director who comes through and looks at the projects for each designer, yeah. is to say, like, you know what, this is close, but like this needs to be changed, that needs to be changed. It's the same like when you write a really important letter that's like yeah. really going to be emotionally charged, you probably stop and have either your wife or somebody else. Proofread it and be like, yep. can you proofread this for bitchiness and spelling errors, please? Yes. The creative director is just proofreading those projects. So when a client walks through, when the project is halfway done, nothing's been dusted, everything's dirty from the warehouse, and like everything's in like kind of where it's supposed to be, and the, the artwork is all on the all on the floor. They walk through halfway and they're like, we hate this, this is terrible. And you're like, well, you're looking at a bowl of batter and mm-hmm. you're expecting to blow out candles on a cake, and like that's not what's happening right now. It's like it's not done yet. <laughs> Yeah, Yeah, please let me finish. Yeah. You know, that improvisation, it's all the time. And in design, there's no black and white. There is so many versions of gray. And so maybe it's right. Maybe it's not. Maybe your client will like it. Maybe your bios will like it. Maybe they won't. And so we try to make it so that it is appealing to as many people as possible. And the biggest thing is how does it look through a lens, because everybody's going to see it online first. Yeah, it has to look good in a photograph. That's our number one thing is like, if you don't like it in person, take a picture of it. Now do you like it? Okay, good. (laughs) We're good to go. We get incredibly used to being right because our employees come to us and they ask you a question. Well, we have got a truck that's broken down. What should we do? And you go, okay, well, we should fix it. And they're like, okay. And they take your word like it's gold. They take your word like, like it was sent down from the Ten Commandments and carved in stone and like ultimately... As a business owner, you're just guessing all the time. You're like, well, I'm pretty sure this is going to be a good idea. We do as much as we can to try to like back things up with numbers and try to analyze it and figure out like, is this really the right choice? Should we really be doing this? Ultimately, like, you know, as a real estate agent, as a business owner, every decision that you're making is like, pretty sure it's right. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So you might as well say it with confidence. Absolutely. (laughs) I as you know
0: spent some years in management in the mental health system and I just remember when I first stepped into a management position having people come to me with questions I was like me yeah. you're I, what, you're asking me and then I would answer and they'd be like okay thanks and that was it yeah. It was. It's the strangest thing.
1: <laughs> they take your word yeah. as gold. They take yeah. it as like this is really what it's supposed to be. This is truly the answer. I have done a lot of. Can I take ten minutes and call you back? Can mm-hmm. I? Th- can I think about this for a few minutes? Because I did default to no for a long time. Um, and my my resolution a couple of years ago was not to default to no. To default to can I get back to you? And I generally find that I can come back with a much more positive answer than no. I like this idea, let's tweak it slightly and do it this way instead. Uh, if we can do that, then super fantastic, great.
0: This ties back to what we were talking about sort of at the beginning of of all of this here. Just like, I just wanna like highlight that taking a minute, that pause, that like giving yourself a moment to think because we were talking about that with regard to like me not being quite sure how to answer the, hey, can we pay you a little less question? Um, yes. And I think as hopefully as I get more clear about my value and and can articulate it more easily, I will need to buy myself less time. But I do think mm-hmm. that it's noteworthy. And I think that 10 minute pause can be used for so many different things that is really just super useful for learning, for getting your for buying yourself some time for thinking through something for sort of settling into the fact that you have to give a hard answer. I think yeah. all of those things are good reasons to just say, hey, let me get back to you about that, because you just buy yourself
1: a minute to kind of get it together whatever it is is that price question though is it better to answer firmly and right away yes probably set in stone yeah or is it better to like wait and be like, there's a chance I might say yes to you and then get back to them later on. Like,
0: I think it's probably way better to be really clear about it right away. And also speaking for myself, like I know that there's moments where I'm going to be more articulate if I give, even at the cost of making them think that I'm really going to think it through or that there's a chance in hell, we'll say, (laughs) that I'm going to reduce my commission because I'm not doing that anymore. I think that there's, when faced with the alternative, which maybe is sort of a long-winded, bumbling, not articulate, Answer about why I'm not going to reduce my commission.
1: Yeah. It could even just be easy enough It's like you know I totally understand that you have to ask that question. I get it. I totally understand. And unfortunately, I have to say no. That's my job.
0: I kind of like that, Justin. Maybe you're helping me turn a corner with this a little bit. I mean, I still think the 10 minute pause or whatever the pause is is going to have a you know other spots. But I I do think that that's an interesting one.
1: You guys are lucky, sellers and and buyers. They are only trained to ask the question once and then you just tell them no, and then they stop asking you. Real estate agents are trained to ask the question three times. And so uh, often the real estate agent is negotiating with me on behalf of the seller to lower my price. And they say, Well, can you lower your price? And I say, Unfortunately, we cannot. And they say, Well, is there some kind of a discount that you could offer us? And I can say, Yes, my answer is still the same. I cannot change my pricing at all. And then they ask us third time. So if you were to take the numbers and you were to somehow adjust them so that they were less than where they were now, could that be something that you could do? <laughs> and and then i say, um, I understand that you are trained to ask for something three times. And I am also trained to answer the same way three times in a row. So you can continue to ask this question as many times as you would like. And I'm going to give you the same answer over and over and over again. So I don't know if you have anything else to do today, but I certainly do. How much longer would you like to go with this? And I got to tell you, they're, they're like, okay, so I see that you're not going to change your price. And that's the fourth time you've asked it. <laughs> And then they say, so no chance you're going to lower the price. And then I say, and that's the fifth time you've asked the same question. So, you know, there comes a point where it's like, look, guys, we've been the Kelly Williams training on being bold and asking the same question three times in a row. We've all seen it. It's a fucking tired trick. Knock it off. It's just annoying. So, and I'm sure what happens is that, and I've tried it. I've asked the same question three times and generally the second time they change their answer to yes. Mm-hmm. It is amazing. You mm-hmm. ask that same question three times, but if somebody else is trained in the same art, it's not going to episode of 30 Rock when Jack negotiated against Jack through Tina Fey. It was <laughs> unbelievable. Like, just, if you get a chance, watch that one. It's great. Um, oh, amazing. Our producer is Nicole Durkin. Our music is written, composed, and performed by Joff Metz. You can find him at 5starguitars.com. Amy Romberg, where can people find you?
0: I am at Romberg.com
1: fantastic and you can find us at spade-archer.com if you've got a story that you want to tell we would love to hear from you i would just love to say thank you so much to all the people who have written to us with the wonderful stories that they have about their real estate journey we would love to hear from you and we'll see you next time behind the yard sign this production of behind the yard sign was brought to you live from the spade and archer studios spade and archer design agency is the world's first guaranteed home stager